Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for May 11th, 2018. On today's show, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news, uh, mostly revolving around Star Wars, and give you some reactions from Deadpool 2 and Han Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, this is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Y. Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. It's been a long time since I've had you on the podcast, Brad. Uh, I, I almost forgot what you sounded like. Uh, I know. It's, I also had weird vocal surgery, but then I got it repaired, so now everything's good. <laughs> um, okay, well, guys, I, I uh, last night I attended the world premiere of Solo, A Star Wars Story, which, by the way, can we just, like, stop saying this is a Star Wars story? Like, I feel like in the future we should just refer to it as the title before the colon. Can, can we be in agreement there? Or, like... Is Disney like forcing us to have this subtitle? I, I mean, think it just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> and I mean, and there is another movie called Solo. So, is there? What is it about? Yeah, it's a foreign film. Oh, okay. Damn it! I went to the world premiere of Solo: A Star Wars Story, <laughs> and uh, uh, before we get into reactions, uh, I you know I posted a photo on Instagram uh, with me and. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, the, I think the richest man in the world and, uh, the, you know, the, the person who runs Amazon and a bunch of people, uh, commented on the photo, like, you know, how did that happen? Uh, tell us the story. Honestly, there is an, an interesting story here. I was at the world premiere and after they have an after party and, uh, you know, there's a lot of celebrities there. I usually don't ask, uh, you know, uh, actors for photos. Uh, it's a rare occasion, but like, um, I saw Jeff in the corner, uh, hanging out with maybe it looked like maybe his kids. I'm not sure if he has kids. Um, and I was like, I have to meet him. So I went over there and, you know, just had a short conversation about the movie. He seemed to like it. Uh, and I was like, you know, Jeff, I hate to bother you, but can I get a photo? And I, I, I feel like if you, if you approach someone like that in a respectable manner, uh, and, you know, ask honestly, usually they don't turn you down. Um, it's usually, you know, the big stars that get like, uh, 
every which way, you know, they look, uh, get people asking for photos that are the ones that actually turn you down because, uh, you know, they're sick and tired of it. But I'm not sure if uh, someone like Jeff uh, is is uh, is like that. Uh, it is funny that so- someone on the uh, Instagram comments uh, did comment that uh, that it's uh, both of Dave Chen's bosses hanging out together. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, what? That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else uh, happened at the premiere? Uh, before we get into the movie, uh, I saw George Lucas from afar, uh, which is cool. Um, I've I've talked with him only a few times. I didn't get to talk to him here. Um, but uh, it's great to see that he's, you know, seems to be, like, coming to more of these things and kind of accepting that he's, you know, part of this legacy that has moved on without him. Let's get into what people want to hear, and that is the reactions to Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, before we hear what other people thought, I'll give you my uh, quick thoughts on this. Um, you know, going into this, I was very hesitant, you know, that we've heard about the production problems in this film with Lord and Miller uh, being replaced with Ron Howard and um, it, uh, you know, them, it, it just, it, would, it also didn't seem like a movie that anybody wanted. And I, I was very hesitant that, like, I thought this movie was going to be a series of expected events. Like, you know, here's how Han meets Chewie. Here's how Han gets the Millennium Falcon. Here's, you know, like those kind of things. And I'm not going to say the movie isn't that because the movie is that series of like, you know, check marks on a checklist of, you know, here's the things, how Han Solo became Han Solo and got, you know, the things we know he has. But the thing that surprised me about this movie the most is uh, that every one of those things happened in unexpected, fun ways that I I did not see coming. Um, So it's it's very, uh, it's a fun movie. I think they nailed uh, the character of Han Solo. There's just so many great lines here. The Kasdans, Lawrence and Jonathan Kasdan, uh, they nailed the character of Han Solo. Uh, The the actor, Alden Ehrreich, he... Is is fine. He's no uh, Harrison Ford, but he's charming and it's it's good. It's 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 fun, and uh, I would. Uh, I was also surprised that this movie looks like no Star Wars movie ever before. Like it has like a really grounded, uh, gritty feel to it. There's like moments in like from a war movie that looks unlike any other Star Wars movie, uh, and. Uh, I would say that stay away from spoilers because there is a, you know, this is a movie I, going into it, I, I said to my friend that I was seeing with, Reza, I was like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm expecting that this, this movie, uh, I'll be entertained by this movie, but this movie's not going to do anything to further the Star Wars, Star Wars mythos or have us talking and theorizing, and boy was I wrong. So, uh, you know, try to see this without any spoilers. There's a... Uh, I would say like a Marvel level kind of like reveal in the movie that, uh, you know, teases something more. What, what is going to happen with the future of, of star Wars movies, uh, maybe Han Solo movies, maybe other movies. We don't know. Uh, it's, 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 it's very, very exciting. Um, and like everybody else, I also fell in love with Lando. If Disney does not give Lando his own film, then I don't know what is wrong with the universe. Brad, what, what did other, other people think of this film? Uh, yeah, so there's uh, some other early social media buzz since that embargo lifted after the premiere last night. 
Uh, our old buddy Jermaine Lucier said, Solo, a Star Wars story is a goddamn delight. It's a nonstop adventure packed with way more emotion than you're expecting. You'll have a smile on your face the whole time and leave eager for more. Uh, Kate Airbland from IndieWire was a little less enthusiastic, but still had good things to say. She said, it takes a bit for it to find its feet and for Alden Ehrenreich to turn on enough charm to make you forget that he's not Harrison Ford. But once it kicks into, hey, let's make a crew, and yes, also do a heist stuff, it totally flies. Um, Mike Ryan uh, also felt kind of the same way uh, from Up Rocks. He said, the, the first act of Solo, a Star Wars story, can be hit and miss, clunky. But once Donald Glover's Lando shows up, who is legit fantastic, and the Kessel Run heist plot kicks in, it's a whole lot of fun. And those who have always wanted a Han and Chewbacca shower scene are in luck. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, there's a lot of the responses uh, have been, you know, mostly pleasantly surprised by how good the movie is, which is uh, something that I'm definitely encouraged about. Uh, I'm I'm seeing it next week on Monday afternoon uh, at a press screening in Chicago, so I'm definitely excited to see uh, some of the things that you've teased that they've kept secret that we don't know about, and all the things that I've seen so far indicate that this should be uh better than i think than we all expected yeah i think that's probably the the best way to frame this is like you know don't go in in there expecting empire strikes back you know don't go in there expecting the best star wars movie ever but this is much better than i think anybody was expecting it to be um i think uh you know if you if you think kind of like uh coming out of rogue one i think uh is a good comparison but solo a star wars story was not the only film to screen yesterday they also screened deadpool 2 and the first reactions have hit the web ht what do people think of the deadpool sequel the Deadpool 2 early reactions are actually pretty overwhelmingly positive. Uh, a couple of the people who uh, d- weren't really fond of the first one came around to the second one and said it was a fast improvement over the original film and that it highly earns its R rating. So uh, first there is Sean O'Connell from Cinema Blend who says, So Deadpool 2 is the perfect sequel. Doubles down on everything that fans love about the original and fixes some of the film's issues. Huge, huge laugh- laughs that play the audience like a fiddle. Ryan Reynolds destroys as Wade. Great action, fantastic cosmic nods, a killer ride. So a few people from Brad's early buzz for social for Solo also ended up watching Deadpool 2 earlier as well. Kate Erbland from IndieWire also uh, spoke positively about Deadpool 2, saying, It earns the, L- the hell out of the R rating and the cameos and the post credit scene. And Mike Ryan from Uproxx also says... I didn't like the first Deadpool. Deadpool 2 beat me into sub- submission until I was actually enjoying myself. Also, it features my, new, my now favorite post credit scene. Um, and these people weren't the only ones to see Deadpool 2 yesterday. Our own Chris Evangelista also got the uh, chance to see the Deadpool sequel. You know what? We, we should bring Chris on to speak about this. Chris, uh, you know, you were, you were often, uh, I think, uh, unrightfully... Uh, stereotyped as the guy that hates everything on on the site. Uh, you did not like Deadpool one, but did you like Deadpool two? Yes, I did. So yeah, I I will flat out say I hate Deadpool one. I think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's funny. I think it's poorly directed. I really didn't like it. So I wasn't exactly uh, excited to see this. Although I thought the trailers made Deadpool two look better than the first one, but. You know what? It 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 got me. Um, uh, I will say the script is very threadbare. I mean, there's almost no character development for any of the new characters, which is you know kind of a problem. But 
the film is so consistently funny that it doesn't really matter. The jokes all, not all, but 90% of the jokes work here. And best of all is, is the direction. Um, I know, you know, I know, again, I know people love the first Deadpool, but I feel like that film is very poorly shot. It just has a very point and shoot look to it. But this film, um, directed by David Leach, is that how you say his name? One of the directors of John Wick. Uh, he he directs the hell out of this movie. It, it's got a lot of style. The action looks great. Um, so I thought I think that went a long way to making me like it. Where it was it was better directed, and I don't know. It's it's a good movie for when you need uh, like a pick me up. Like I don't want to get too personal, but I was having kind of a shitty week and watching this in a theater with people eating it up and laughing at all the jokes. It just made me feel somewhat better after, after kind of a crappy week. So I don't know. It's a good, uh, I don't like to use the word, the phrase turn off your mind because I think that's stupid, but (laughs) it it is, it is that kind of movie where if you're just looking to, you know, kill a few hours, laugh at a few jokes, you're, you're going to enjoy this. And uh, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but there are some, there's one or two killer cameos in this that I had no idea about that, really caught me by surprise. So uh, I liked, I really liked it overall. I, I was not expecting to like it, but I did. Well, very cool, Chris. Thanks for jumping in and giving us your reaction. Sure. Okay, let's move on from early reactions to uh, our proper news. And let's start off with uh, the announcement that they are making a G.I. Joe uh, spinoff movie based on the character Snake Eyes. Brad, what do we know? Yeah, so the G.I. Joe franchise has been dead for quite some time, uh, even though Dwayne Johnson, who was once called Franchise Viagra, helped make G.I. Joe Retaliation a significant improvement over G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra. Uh, there wasn't really much excitement to continue the franchise after that second installment, and it's kind of laid dormant ever since uh, that sequel came along. But it looks like a new G.I. Joe movie is in the works, and it will focus on the ninja character known as Snake Eyes. This was a character that appeared in um, the G.I. Joe movies before and was played by Ray Park, who you might know better as playing Darth Maul in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, uh, and also Toad in the first X-Men movie. And it looks like this is going to be uh, not necessarily a sequel to the G.I. Joe movies, but more of a spinoff that will focus on this uh, ninja commando. Um, he's he, he dresses in all black, uh, very skilled with a sword, obviously quite acrobatic. Um, he has a, a pet wolf, which is pretty cool. His name's Timber, and he also has uh, an arch enemy that is also a ninja, but who dresses in white, named Storm Shadow. And that ninja just happens to be his brother. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting that they're you know taking this long to make a Snake Eyes movie because I feel like he was like one of the most popular parts of both of the the films. Uh, you know, the John Chu film was largely marketed around that uh, that sequence on the side of a cliff with Snake Eyes. Uh, I think it probably has to do with uh, Snake Eyes doesn't talk, right? Yeah, he so, doesn't. He, he doesn't talk. You never see his face, so it's a little bit of. Uh... A hard sell, I guess, as a movie, but apparently they figured out how to do it. I don't know if that means they'll move away from his character roots a bit, and he he will talk, albeit sparingly. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to have to wait and see how that pans out. Do, do we know if Ray Park is reprising the role? It doesn't say anything about him reprising the role. I can't imagine that he he would. Uh, if it's going to be a movie that focuses solely on Snake Eyes, I'm sure they would get somebody else to take that role. But again, it kind of all depends on, uh, you know. 
what they intend to do with that with that character if they're going to surround him with people who are characters that actually talk um you know because ray park's not exactly known for his his acting skills even in star wars episode one his voice was dubbed by peter serafinowitz yes yes um and uh yeah and he he also played uh darth maul in the in 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 episode one but in the in the animated series I, i believe someone else voiced uh that role so yeah, uh, let's move on to Jurassic World. Uh, this is a story that broke yesterday. You guys didn't talk on the podcast, but I wanted to bring it up because the, they are replacing the Jurassic Park The Ride at Universal Studios Hollywood with Jurassic World, something called Jurassic World Ride. I hope that's not the name of the name of it, but in the press release, it's calling it Jurassic World Ride. Um, but, uh, a lot of people are angry about this, uh, Jurassic Park's ride, which is kind of like this, uh, you're on a boat adventure through Jurassic Park and you, you steer off in the wrong direction and you end up, uh, coming face to face with the giant T-Rex and, uh, it's a water, what do you call that? Like a water drop ride where you, uh, get soaked, um, Universal has basically announced that next year, uh, this is going to be shutting down this year, and by next year sometime, the Jurassic World ride will open. Uh, A lot of fans are upset because, you know, there's a a big attachment to Jurassic Park, Uh, but uh, anybody who's been on this ride in in the last, I don't know, four or five years knows that the animatronics have been kind of uh, in disrepair, and it's been kind of a sad state of affairs. Uh, I'll be, you know, I I understand the attachment to the old franchise name, but if it means that we're going to get updated technology, updated updated animatronic dinosaurs, I'm all for it. Uh, And uh, our own Jacob Hall theorized that it could be maybe they are going to retheme this into as an expedition into the long closed Jurassic World, where like the nature is reclaiming the park and you know dinosaurs roam wild. Uh, Have either of you gone on any of the Jurassic Park rides, either in uh, Orlando or in Hollywood? I have never, unfortunately. I haven't I haven't been to Universal in Orlando, but I have been on the one in uh, Los Angeles, um, and I love that ride actually. And you're, you're it's totally true. The animatronics have not aged well because it's it's older technology, and the, the lead up to the big water park drop part of the ride is kind of hokey. Um, but I I really did love that ride going on. I, I went on it several times. The the two or three times that I went to Universal Studios when I was. Uh, out in Los Angeles, and it's a very fun ride, but I, an update couldn't hurt. I just hope that it's not, you know, something that isn't nearly as good, or you know, is yeah. uh, uh, yeah, it's got it's got to be something fun. What would be kind of cool, well, actually. It, it, it's it seems like it's a retheme. It seems like they're because it's only a yeah. year, so they can't rebuild an entire ride in a year. Maybe it'll it has something to do with like the gyrospheres, because like there's that scene in the trailer where they drop off the cliff and splash down in the water. So maybe it'll be something tied to that. Hmm. Maybe you're I'm like, not it's, sure if you could retheme the boats as gyrospheres, but that that would be interesting. Or, I, or it's just based around like the idea of maybe like you're you're in something that's like on the like it's you're floating along, river. yeah, and maybe the volcano is about to erupt, and it's like oh shit, and then it's like <laughs> speeding up and then drop down in the water. 
I think your ambitions with this ride are, are way higher than I think even Universal's ambitions. That's why I'd like to announce that I'm building my own Jurassic World ride, everybody. <laughs> I, I just hope out of anything that they don't replace the T-Rex at the end of the ride with the Indominus Rex because Rexy is so, a so much better dinosaur than the Indominus Rex. Um, I would like if they replaced it with a giant version of Jeff Goldblum. I mean, I'd be for that. That I'd be down for. Yeah. Well, he, he, he just comes down and he goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also hope they don't put screens in, in this ride because, you know, Universal likes to put screens and, like, projections and 3D everywhere. And I don't think we need that. But uh, let's move on to uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, uh, we, we were talking about Jurassic World and the director of Jurassic World, the original Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow, was sp- supposed to direct Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, he was famously he famously left the project or, or was fired, uh, depending on who you speak to. Uh, we we now have some a little bit of info on why that may have happened. Ht, uh, why did they part ways? So a new report from the Wall Street Journal sort of clarifies the behind-the-scenes drama happening at Lucasfilm, uh, particularly with uh, Star Wars Episode Nine with Colin Trevorrow. So we know that the initial report said that Trevorrow and uh, Kathleen Kennedy's visions for the film clashed and they that he parted over creative differences, which is kind of the banner word thrown around whenever something goes wrong. Uh, but here the Wall Street Journal says... Quote, Colin Trevorrow, the director of Jurassic World, initially tapped to helm the next Star Wars movie, 2019's Episode 9, was dismissed after Miss Kennedy grew unhappy with his work on the script, said a person with knowledge of his work on the movie. So, reportedly, Trevorrow wrote his initial draft, as we know, with, Dar- with Derek Connolly, um, and that draft was nixed by Kennedy. Uh, and then Lucasfilm went on to hire Jack Thorne to rewrite that script, which also uh, was poorly received. And report- after the Thorne draft, Trevorrow apparently wanted to have another go at the script, and um, but... Uh, after that, Kennedy decided to just dismiss Trevorrow altogether and move on. Now, I don't know. I, I, I don't know anything about the situation. I'm, I'm sure, you know, there will be books being uh, written about the, this whole uh, Star Wars behind the scenes drama in, in a few years time. And I, I think we'll eventually find out what, you know, Colin wanted to do. But uh, I'm assuming and this is just based on assumptions that it's not just like the script was bad. I think I'm assuming it was more of Colin wanted to take things in, you know, direction a, and she wanted more of direction B. Uh, and to give you an example of that, I, I, I think, I think we're all on the same page that, uh, general Leia was going to be a big part of episode nine until, uh, you know, the death of Carrie Fisher. And, uh, that kind of left, uh, a, uh, you know, a situation like a, a very interesting story situation there, and I could see like maybe Colin, you know, trying to argue that they need like Luke to be alive in Episode Nine. Uh, now I don't know that's the case. I have no evidence that's the case, but I- I'm betting it's 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 kind of like a situation there where it was a stalemate of like someone arguing over wanting to go in like one direction and the other not wanting to to budge. Uh, but I could be totally so there are wrong. Actually rumors, there are actually rumors flying around the internet that Trevorrow's vision, uh, his scripts initially brought Luke Skywalker back to life despite the ending of Last Jedi. So that's where he and Kennedy sort of um, cross, pa- cr- 
cross swords, I guess you would say. Yeah. But that was just an internet rumor. So it's kind of along the lines of what you're saying, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think we're going to see Luke Skywalker in episode nine. I, even Mark Hamill on Twitter is leaving hints that uh, he is going to appear in episode nine. Uh, I mean, obviously, he says, uh, you know, I'll see you around, kid. And we've theorized that he could be a force ghost. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting. I, I, one day when we can get the whole story of what happened in this behind the scenes drama, it'll be uh, very, very, very uh Interesting. Uh, but let's move on to Brad Bird. He was the one that Kathleen Kennedy originally wanted to direct episode seven, The Force Awakens, uh, when, you know, he wasn't available. He suggested Colin Trevorrow, which is how Colin got the job of Jurassic World because uh, uh, Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy and her husband, uh, Frank Marshall, ended up seeing uh, his movie Safety Not Guaranteed, uh, which uh, caught the eye of Steven Spielberg. And that. anyways, it's all it's all circular is what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, Brad Bird, uh, you know, almost made a Star Wars movie if it wasn't for Tomorrowland. So the question is, is there the possibility of Brad Bird directing a Star Wars movie in the future? There's certainly no solid guarantees. It's something that he hasn't ruled out, though. And uh, in a recent interview with Fandango, Brad Bird uh, essentially said that he kind of has an open invitation to do something with Star Wars if he ever had an idea that he wanted to execute. Um, there's a, a, Most of the interview with Fandango talks about Incredibles 2, but the discussion turned to his near involvement with Star Wars, and this is what uh, Bird had to say. He said, uh, I've known Kathy Kennedy a long time. I've known George Lucas quite a while, too. And certainly that's a very fun universe, and if I could think of something that would be perfect for that, I would give Kathy a call. Absolutely. They've sort of said if I have any notion that would fit in the universe to please contact them. So it sounds like he has, you know, pretty much open season where if he has an idea for a character, you know, a story, wants to do something himself in Star Wars, he can at least go to them and say, hey, here's what I have. Uh, and they'll determine whether or not they, they want to make it. So he's he's not ruling it out, but he also says, I have a, a lot of other ideas I'm very anxious to do. And since he turned down Star, War, or, um, Star Wars to do Tomorrowland, I would imagine that any potential offers that might come up in the future, if it conflicted with him doing something that was original, that it was his own idea, that he might not uh, be necessarily willing to, to do it unless he could do it without it completely throwing everything in upheaval since scheduling was the the main reason he decided that he probably couldn't take on force awakens along with uh, his responsibilities for getting Tomorrowland off the ground. So the prospect of Brad Bird doing a star Wars movie sounds really exciting to me. He's a, he's a fantastic director. I really like mission impossible ghost protocol. Um, and I'm a, a defender of Tomorrowland. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. So I would like to see what he could do with star Wars, but at the same time, the prospect of Brad Bird doing his own original stuff is just as enticing, if not more so. So, you know, uh, I'd like to see it, but I'm not necessarily going to hold my breath waiting for it to happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we would all like to see a Brad Bird Star Wars movie, but uh, we'll have to see if, if, if that is in the cards. Uh, you know, the future I mentioned earlier, the future of Lucasfilm and Star Wars is kind of up in the air, not in so much that we know we don't know if they're going to make more movies. They're obviously going to make Star Wars movies at least one a year for the foreseeable future. But we really don't know what is in the cards for the Star Wars movies. We know Episode nine is coming from J.J. Abrams. We 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 have Han Solo, the last announced standalone movie coming out there. There was rumors of a, a Boba Fett movie. There was rumors of an Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi movie. Uh, you know, what are they going to make next in this anthology series? Uh, HT, do we have any insight? 
So the next anthology film from Lucasfilm uh, might be an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. So initial reports came out last year in August that uh, Lucasfilm had started talking to directors for an Obi-Wan spinoff movie, specifically directors. Director Stephen Daldry, who was an early talks to direct, but ever since that initial report came out, it's Lucasfilm has been kind of silent about a potential Obi Wan movie, and there's been no confirmation that this movie was in development at all. But today, some uh, sort of reports, and uh, I'd say something that's kind of verges on reports and rumors, uh, broke that Lucasfilm is starting to uh, get the Obi-Wan movie into development. Uh, so a well-placed source within Lucasfilm, according to Fanthatracks, has confirmed that development has begun on the Obi-Wan Kenobi Star Wars story uh, and that this may be taking place at Disney's Pinewood Studios. So apparently the project is uh, sufficiently along in the art department and is now full pre-production mode at Pinewood Studios in England, which is where uh, the majority of the Star Wars movies under Disney have been shot. Uh, and um, the apparently the Lucasfilm has plans to begin shooting uh, in mid-January 2019 with the main shoot to begin in April 2019. And uh, that the scheduled release date for this film would be December 2020. I mean, that certainly lines up with the past release dates of, of these Star Wars movies from Disney. Uh, we'll have to see if that happens, if that is the next anthology movie. But another uh, film, or not film, but another project in the works from Lucasfilm is their Star Wars live action series uh, coming to Disney's uh, untitled announced streaming service uh john favreau is uh going to be producing it and we we've we have the first information about this tv series brad what do we know yes we heard a while back that john favreau was going to be the uh writer and executive producer of a new live action star wars series but that was pretty much all that was announced at the time we had no indication as to what it would be about uh what the series might entail anything like that but John Favreau was walking the red carpet last night on the Solo A Star Wars Story uh, premiere, and he was asked about his developing live-action Star Wars series by Nerdist. And while he didn't give away uh, too many specific details, he did give us some information that we didn't yet know before. The biggest piece that he told us is that the show would take place seven years after the Battle of Endor in Return of the Jedi, which means it takes place quite a long time before the events of The Force Awakens. There's roughly 30 years or so in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, so there's a good couple decades here uh, that haven't happened leading up to The Force Awakens during the time that this series takes place. In addition, he said the series will feature all new characters, so we're not looking at a series that focuses on any canon characters that we've met elsewhere in the Star Wars saga so far, but that also doesn't rule out the possibility of seeing any of those characters potentially pop up in small cameo roles, cameo roles here and there, kind of similar to the way that we would see familiar characters pop up on Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and then finally, he mentioned that they would be using the same kind of technology that he used on The Jungle Book and The Lion King during the production of the show. Um, which, that's kind of interesting in and of itself because it sounds like they'll be using a lot of visual effects to create the environments and uh, characters in this movie was uh, similar to the way that the jungle book and lion king are entirely shot on a soundstage and created with digital effects in post-production um that sounds like it would be 
really expensive. So <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming that this is going to be a pretty high budget production since it's Disney streaming service. And we don't really have a gauge as to how much money they're pushing into these kind of projects. It's hard to tell what kind of like uh, quality we're going to get if we're going to get something that feels like it's uh, cable level, where, where you have a production um, on the scale of like a Game of Thrones or a Westworld or a Stranger Things. Um, but to, like I said, since it's Disney, I imagine they're going to throw as much money at this Star Wars series as they can, so that they can get as many people as possible subscribed to this new service that they'll be launching sometime in 2019. It is interesting. Before George Lucas sold to Disney, you know, he was developing that Star Wars TV show for a number of years, which was going to be set in the underworld, and it was said to be taking advantage of technology. Maybe you know the technology that came before what Favreau used on, uh, you know, Jungle Book. But it was it, it, he was. Uh, Lucas was waiting out uh, for the technology to become cheaper and uh, easier to use uh, for that TV series that never ended up happening. Uh, so it's interesting that, uh, you know, the Star Wars TV show, uh, which is quote unquote live action. But if it's anything like Jungle Book, it'll be like, what, 90 percent uh, animated in some way um, or created in a computer, I should say. Uh, there's a couple things to unpack here, I think. Uh, this taking place. uh you said right after Return of the Jedi? Seven years after the Battle of Endor. So th that's interesting because you think at that point the, ga uh, the, the, the Empire is kind of gone, right? Like, so who's going to be the bad guys in this upcoming series? Like, I, I feel like the First Order has not shown themselves at that point. Uh, Brad, do you have any theories? Uh, theories as to what the show will be about, you mean? Yeah. Well, you, um, need, you need to have some kind of antagonist here. Like, and I'm, I'm assuming... You know, there's no Sith uh, villains to be around. The Empire well, think, is on a, you know, a huge decline. First Order is in hiding. True, but I think that maybe one of the interesting things here might be is that uh, I think there's two routes that could be kind of intriguing. One of them is maybe a this series gives us some insight into what the First Order was doing while they were in hiding, and maybe it follows their exploits um, and maybe the the early forming of the Resistance. Or B, that maybe there's some kind of ties here to the story that was part of the campaign in the video game Star Wars Battlefront 2. Because that took place uh, immediately after the destruction of the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi. And it followed uh, an Imperial um, officer who led a secret you know, a group of soldiers and were given orders dispatched by the Emperor upon his, his death to, dispatch, to keep the Empire going um, and make sure that they didn't just, just give up. So... Um, this is seven years later, though, so it's kind of it might be hard to tie that in together. But maybe there's something there because that story is canon from the campaign of Star Wars Battlefront Two. So maybe there's something there that will tie it together. But yeah, it's hard to say what you know without knowing what kind of series we're talking about. Whether it's going to be focusing on bounty hunters or focus on you know a continued struggle between the the remnants of the Empire and the Rebel Alliance or you know, any any of that, it's hard to know for sure. But they they definitely got a lot of possibilities since that's such an unexplored area in Star Wars canon right now. And, and you do make a good point here. This could be a more ground level movie telling the story of like, you know, people on, you know, a planet somewhere in this galaxy dealing with, you know, the crime world of bounty hunters and Jabba the Well, I guess Jabba the Hutt's not around. But do, do you know what I mean like that kind of like uh, those kind of baddies, not like, you know, the big, huge baddies that we see in in, in the films of like, you know, the Galactic Empire. So uh, 
it'll be i i am excited for this Uh, i can't wait to find out more and when we do find out more we will have it on here and on the site uh brad where can people find more of your work online you can find me at slashfilm.com all the live long day you can also find me on twitter at ethan underscore anderton and check out my podcast go flicks yourself f-l-i-x on itunes and other podcasting platforms ht where can i find you you can also find me at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBui. You can find all the stories we mentioned on today's podcast on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. You can find me at SlashFilm on Twitter, Instagram, all the social networks. Uh, this podcast is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And uh, please, as always, go rate and review this podcast on iTunes. That helps uh, spread the word. Tell your friends, and we'll see you on Monday.